0: Welcome to Holy Smoke, the spectator's religion podcast. I'm Damian Thompson. Fidel Castro is dead and the Pope is grieving, he would like the Cuban people to know. Cuban Catholics, relentlessly harassed by Castro for 50 years, may not share his grief. Cuban Americans certainly are outraged by what may seem like yet another example of a church leader soft-peddling his opposition to an anti-Christian Marxist regime. Indeed, Francis' strangely indulgent attitude towards the Castro brothers reminds me a bit of the naivety of so many left-leaning churchmen towards so-called socialist regimes, not least in Eastern Europe during the Cold War. Is that fair? Let me ask my guest... The journalist and best-selling author Edward Lucas of The Economist, a leading authority on East-West relations. Edward, what do you think?
1: I think the Pope's remarks are really ill-placed, though also predictable. There's a long history of well-meaning churchmen sucking up to dictatorial regimes in the hope of seeming suitably self-critical of the undoubted flaws in our own society. And that's exactly the tradition in which, I'm sorry to say, Pope Francis has fallen. Castro was a ghastly dictator and he harassed Christians and indeed many other people. We should be dancing on his grave, but we're not. We are saying that he was an anti-imperialist hero and uh, revered by millions. Well, Stalin was revered by millions. And these qualities of bravery and eloquence um, are not moral qualities. There's lots of brave and eloquent people who are very bad. And the key point about Castro is that he was on the wrong side during the greatest moral struggle of the 20th century, which was between good and evil, which was the Cold War. And if Castro and his mates had had his way, we'd have lost the Cold War. And we would be living under a planned economy and a one-party state and in terror of the KGB. And, in fact, we're not. And Castro refused to his dying day to admit that he'd been on the wrong side, but he was.
0: For many years, Pope Francis, then Cardinal Bergoglio, was an opponent of Marxism, an opponent of liberation theology, but he seems to have come to romanticise Latin American socialist regimes in in his old age. And actually, when he visited Cuba last year, it was very noticeable that he didn't meet any distance at all, to the point where even the Washington Post criticised him for not saying a single thing that would discomfort his hosts. Now, Argentina is arguably the most anti-American country in Latin America. And I wondered whether anti-Americanism is the thread running through the attitude of so many churchmen around the world towards Marxist regimes.
1: I think that it's actually deeper than that. It isn't so much about the virtues of the Marxist regime or regimes or even the vices of the capitalist ones. It's about the desire to seem like a good person, that you feel that I, as a Christian leader, I must side with the underdog, so therefore I must be on the side of the oppressed, so therefore I must be um, the sort of person who would have fought in the Spanish Civil War, maybe written poetry about it, who might have starred in Casablanca. There's this whole sort of romantic narrative of struggle against oppression and being brave on the good side. And this somehow gets transposed into supporting regimes which, of course, are anything but romantic, um, as everyone from George Orwell onwards realised the Spanish Civil War was not a great struggle of good against evil. The loyalist side was every bit as beastly as the Well, well,
0: interesting you mention romanticism. Now, even left-wing clerics found it rather difficult to romanticise the Soviet Union, though some of them did their best. But they did find it very easy, I remember, to wax lyrical about uh, the Sandinista regime in in the 1980s, which they really did picture as, as heaven on earth interesting that the former Sandinista foreign minister Miguel Descoto, a winner of the Lenin Peace Prize, who never said anything critical of the Soviet Union, was a priest, resigned his orders or was stripped of his orders, but has now been reinstated as a priest by Francis. We're the same age. You you must remember how excited uh, Bien-Pensant Cleric's Became by the Sandinista regime and how absolutely horrified they were when it was voted out of office.
1: Yes, the Sandinistas were tremendously popular in the early 80s because their true Marxist colours were not yet flying fully and clearly, and there were many well meaning fellow travellers in. Nicaragua itself, both on the Catholic side, there were even liberals who were um, supporting the San because the previous regime had been absolutely beastly. And you often get that in this sort of revolutionary enthusiasm where people are so thrilled about having got rid of the old that they don't look too closely at the components of the new. And I think that was a mistake in, in Nicaragua. But there's also, I think, a broader point that people are very willing to overlook the fundamental evil of communism and try and find the good bits about it. So people say, well, yes, Stalin was very bad, but he did beat Hitler. And that the, the Soviet Union did make terrible mistakes, but they did bring mass literacy, they emancipated women, they industrialised and so on. And to me, this is a bit like saying, well, you know, Hitler may have been a bad man, but he did promote physical education. And health, the autobahns. <laughs> not to mention the ultra, the ever-clichéd autobahns and the Volkswagen's that drove on them. And I think this reflects a kind of demented desire for balance, where we, you always have to say, well, OK, there may be bad things, but there are also good things. And I think that particularly religious leaders should be quite unabashed in just saying this regime is evil and it's a fundamental principle of Christianity. By their fruits ye shall know
0: them. Yeah, I was just reading an article uh, in The Spectator that, that James Bartholomew wrote a couple of years ago suggesting that we need a museum of communist terror alongside Holocaust memorials because communist regimes killed up to 100 million people, many of whom we, we simply don't know about in countries that you know, we never looked at properly. But we're not going to get one, certainly if we rely on the churches to remind us what happened, because they don't seem terribly interested in the victims of communists. I
1: mean, it can, it's, it's a very good question, and there are admirable initiatives.
0: There's the Terror House in Hungary. Think, which, which was the one that he visited. Um, yes. But Bartholomew was making the point that apart from that, there aren't that, that There aren't many. that many.
1: And there's a monument to the victims of communism in Washington, D.C. In some well-organized countries like Estonia, you do at least have a list of everybody who was repressed under Soviet occupation and from Soviet terror. But it's true, most of the victims are nameless. And we probably we are, we are far better off in documenting the Holocaust, far better at documenting the Holocaust than we are at documenting Stalin's terror. And I think it's one of the weaknesses of the sort of Western way of looking at things is you try and relativise and categorise instead of just saying, this was horrid. And so we look for nuance where we really shouldn't look for nuance. And I, I don't care that... Cuba was very good at providing basic health care for many years on the back, one may add, of enormous subsidies from the Soviet Union. To me, the the key point is that this was a dictatorial regime which never put its supposedly excellent record up in a contested
0: election. It didn't allow... Indeed, we've been reminded of the achievements of the Cuban regime by what you might call an extremely nuanced coverage by the BBC in recent days. Ad
1: nauseam, I would say, and nauseating. And you can always Look in any regime, you will find something. You know, Genghis Khan was a genius of military organisation. Yeah, Adolf Eichmann kept his desk very tidy. You can, if you if you want to, you can always find something that is good. And then you say, well, there's good things and bad things. And I think that this is a this is a, a, an entirely mistaken approach, particularly for people who should be bringing us moral clarity. And I think that the weakness of the religious liberal left in the 70s and 80s, where they said, well, you know. The Soviet Union may have its problems, but we must talk to them about peace, because peace is very important, and the Soviet Union loves peace. And they didn't realise they were falling into an enormous propaganda trap of the Soviet Union. And now we're seeing the whole thing again, a sort of coda to this, um, mistakes we made during the Cold War, when the last of the big Cold War leaders dies. And we're making the same things over again, and and making the same mistakes over again. It makes me think we haven't learned anything.
0: Edward Lucas, thank you very much. Thank you. And don't forget... Holy Smoke is The Spectator's a new religion podcast. You can find it on iTunes or wherever you go to get your podcast, but don't miss it.